Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about Tabula Rasa for Buffy and the quickening for Angel. You mean Tabula Rasa, Tabula Rasa, Tabula Rasa. <laughs> yes. Yeah, how, how's it going? We haven't recorded <laughs> in a while. Yeah. I gotta get my, like, sea legs back. Been like a month, I think, yeah. since we recorded. Um, it's been a month since I've been home. So. Yeah, so that sounds right. <laughs> oh my god, that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, I don't want to get into the boring. Well, they're not really boring, but into the details. But I <laughs> ended up on the road for most of the end of February and the first part of March, and some of that was planned and some of it wasn't. So, yeah. yeah. You were like earlier. You're like, what day is it? I was like, what day is it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who knows? The um, only the only reason I know is because it's St. Patrick's Day while we're recording. This. Oh right. So, so. yes. Which I kept telling myself during my like month was like the date that I had to make it to. <laughs> you and did I'm it. Here and I'm alive and I'm you okay. Did it. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, but that means that yesterday was your birthday. That's true. Yeah. How, um, how did it go? It was great. We saw. We went to dinner. Uh, no, let me back up. Uh, my friend came over to meet my cat and let me explain some basics of Excel to her, which was a pretty, it was pretty great. I would do that again on my birthday. It was lovely. Um, and then we just went out to dinner and then we went and saw Puffs, which is the show off, off Broadway. I don't really know the distinction between off and on Broadway. Um, but you know, it's a show in New York and it's about, um, basically it's Harry Potter all seven years, but told from the perspective of a couple of Hufflepuffs. (laughs) It was really good. <laughs> I had heard, I meant to go like three years ago when some people were going and it was a little bit of a smaller show and I just never really got around to it. So it was a good birthday present. And it was also like, I had kind of had high expectations because people had really, people really like it. And it was really, really funny. And like just the right amount of like, um, sweetness to it, you know, like there was sort of a little, a nice like pin and kind of like the reason they're telling the story this way. And I don't know that that was necessarily the like way that this show really started out, but it was good. I really liked it. So how do they fit seven years into like, I assume like two hours? Yes. Um, you know, it's quick. Like book five literally was like a character being angsty. (laughs) Like it's kind of the main characters are pretty much mirrors for Ron, Harry and Hermione. Harry is vaguely in the background of like parts of it, but, um, but yeah, uh, some of them were really quick. And then, you know, they're only, they're not, like, going through everything. It's, like, literally, like, a snippet of them in class, a snippet of whatever the big thing is, a snippet of whatever, you know. Like, they spent okay. longer on book four because Cedric is a Hufflepuff and he's, like, I... in the show. Um, but some of the other ones were a little bit shorter. But, yeah, it, I really liked it. So are the characters in the play from the... I'm assuming not from the book, otherwise... Not really. Some sort of, like... Like, how do they clear this? With- <laughs> well, we spent the whole train ride home having this exact discussion. <laughs> I think where we landed, although I'm like, feel free to correct me if somebody, if you know better. But, um, I mean, like, the it's called Puffs, and then, it, like, the subtitle is something about, like, or seven years at a specific school. You know, like, it's all, no, they don't use really any of the official words or terms or names. But they're using characters. Yeah, I don't think they ever call Harry Harry Potter I think they just call him Harry and I think it's kind of the same with Cedric and then all the other characters are 
pretty much original or like there's kind of like an early or an Ernie, like who he's one of the, like there's some couple of actual char- characters, but they have slightly different names. And like, the they form- ever use the word Hufflepuff? No, they're called puffs. <laughs> and, then, oh, and the okay. Slytherins are called snakes and the um, Gryffindors are called braves. <laughs> Uh, and okay. they're even so they're really, it's, smarts it's, or something. They're covering their like copyright. I pieces. think that they probably are just getting by on being parody because there is definitely you're allowed to parody other works. So I'm assuming that's right. it. And I mostly think that because nowhere on the playbill does it have any official licensing language. So that's my guess. Uh, that was our conclusion is that like it's not official. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure not because it's like a money like I'm sure a small revenue stream but it's a revenue stream not owned by Warner Brothers so Mm -hmm. yeah um interesting but yeah it's really fun but I liked it I think it was definitely one of those things where you're like oh the people who wrote this really like Harry Potter but they're not afraid to poke fun at some of the you know things about it yeah but yeah so good birthday also ate banana pudding and cake uh Friday and yesterday Saturday Mm, well, kind of cake? I only ate banana pudding yesterday, but I ate banana pudding and cake the day before. <laughs> uh, we had like a tiramisu cake that was so-so. This uh, like, I want to say maybe slightly almond flavored cake with like a little very light jam and a um, Swiss buttercream on it that I really, really like from this. Um, yeah, there's this like great cake shop in Soho that my friend and I like kind of walked into on accident once and then we like decided we really like it. So mm, it was good. Well, if you like it, none of those sound good to me. <laughs> You're like, mmm, coffee, mmm, almonds. <laughs> I don't know about the almond. Let, I have to look it up. Yeah, I um, I think you would I, like that I don't that know why. One. Like, I can eat almonds, but, like, almond-flavored things, I, I It like is just distinct, but I don't think it was overwhelming. Okay, well, yeah, we'll I have to try subtle, it. We should try it. We should try it, because I think you would like it. That one. I, probably, I don't think you'd like the tiramisu one, but I didn't no, even really like I, that one. I don't, I've never, first of all, I don't like coffee and that's like a predominant flavor in tiramisu yeah. and I also just like it always looks a little bit, well, I don't want to say it looks boring because I like, I would love to try making it with like tea instead. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could get a strong enough flavor that would come through. But anyway, we don't, this doesn't have to be Ali's baking corner. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, the tiramisu, I don't know. Plus I think people always eat it and they're always like, oh, it was fine. Like, yeah, you don't want to be the dessert that's like fine. Oh, yeah. It is almond cake with raspberry and vanilla icing and filling. It's good, though. No, I mean, that's oh. a very, like, pop- popular combo. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm just glad that I could identify the flavors because I didn't remember what it was. Okay. Anyway, so good cake, job. pudding, puffs. It was good. <laughs> Should have made that first one. How could I make that first one, though? P also. That's your tagline for your birthday. Cake, yeah. pudding, puffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, like, I, I said that jokingly, but I, like, could really see a future where, like, you know, like, how you have, like, wedding hashtags, you mm-hmm. have to have, like, a birthday hashtag. Mm, dark. I just, like, don't ever want to be that person. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to come up with a wedding hashtag. Do I have to? You don't have to. Someone else could for you. <sighs> but you don't have to, like, enforce using it. Some people, I feel like, really go overboard and, like, I don't know. Luckily, most of my friends, like, don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I think you fall into that bucket of not caring. I will say that I realized we didn't do engagement photos, and I don't regret it, except that now I'm trying to put together our, like, wedding website, and I'm like, oh, it would have been nice to have photos. Well, just go outside and take a photo. Like, I mean, they don't have to be, like, professional. Like, just go take one of something you guys would be doing, like, put you with your cat or something. Mm. But who's going to take the photo? 
you know, and we had to be in it. I, I'm just saying I had to, like, start culling all my photos. I'm like, oh, so what's going to work for this? I, it's fine. I was just like, oh, this is why people do that. Yeah. <laughs> for save the dates and stuff like mm-hmm. that, too. No photos on the save the dates or the invitations. That's fine. tough to get away with no photos on the wedding website. This just looks really drab. Yeah. Are you using Squarespace? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But no, I'm just teasing oh, okay. I, I feel like they sponsor a lot of podcasts and oh, people right. are always like, and I use it for my wedding website. And I'm like, don't there, don't you have like the knot or like. Exactly. I was like, know, I mean, you have to pay for that one. You don't have to pay for a bunch of the other ones. And the other ones all have like integration into other features for weddings. So no, I'm not using Squarespace. <laughs> like registries, things like that. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that all sounds very, uh, I don't want to say complicated, but just like a chore, although exciting at the uh, same time. No, I agree with the first statement. It's mostly a chore. Um, yeah. Oh, and on Friday we watched Notting Hill, which I had never seen. Wait, okay. How did you watch it? Because, and this is oh. unrelated to your Friday night, except that I wanted to watch it yesterday and I couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, I mean, I had to rent it. We rented it on Amazon. Oh, that's, damn it. That's not what I wanted. I know. Okay. Sorry. I may break down and do it because I was like... I was in London for part of my trip, oh, so I was, like, mm-hmm. watching all these, like, movies that took place, you know, different places and, like, um, <laughs> trying to kind of, like, see if I was, like, oh, where's that? Where's that? Um, and they're definitely, like, I was in Notting Hill at one point, and there is a store that's, like, a tourist store, and mm-hmm. they, like, have signs everywhere that are, like, the travel bookshop. And I'm look- and I was, like, looking at it. I was, like, okay, feasibly this could be the location where they built a travel bookshop set or something, mm-hmm. but then why turn it into this garbage pile of a souvenir shop? Like, yeah. I feel like they're not cashing in correctly if that's truly what they were. But then I also saw another one, like, down the street. I was like, oh, this is just a chain. Okay. (laughs) But then I wanted to kind of confirm and also watch Notting Hill because it's great. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just couldn't find it for free anyway. Yeah, I don't think it's for free. I did have a weird nightmare after we... Not nightmare, but um, I don't want to spoil the movie if anyone else hasn't seen it, but... It's like a 20 year old old yeah <laughs> um you know there's the whole thing where at one point she gets the paparazzi called on her and she sort of suspects that hugh grant has done it um and <laughs> the end of the movie they get together right this is like a romantic comedy so they get together and it's like happy go lucky blah blah, blah. then that, that night i had a dream that at the very end of the movie julia roberts's character was walking through a regular bookstore and then saw that in the time that they had been apart he had in fact published a book like a tell-all that was like my year with a superstar or something like that <laughs> i was like oh my god he did do it <laughs> and that was the way the movie ended i was like oh god i woke up i was like that was so dark did you call richard curtis that could be the sequel <laughs> anyway so it has a happy ending but my dream did not want it to (laughs) yeah no it's funny because I I was in well I was like traveling um mostly in London and like well Oxford for a week and then in but then I like took a vacation I went to like Copenhagen and Berlin and Prague and I I think I mentioned it on the podcast but that show Discovery of Witches mm-hmm. um so when the show came out I like reread the books and mm-hmm. they take place in Oxford and <laughs> Prague and I like didn't even realize that when I was like booking my vacation and I wonder if like on subconsciously some subconscious <laughs> level like that's because I was like oh so I was like walking around like you know um certain areas of Prague and I was like man, I really need to go back and, like, b- read the book again and figure out, like, where were they in Prague? Like, where mm-hmm. am I? Like, That's <laughs> I was really like, funny. Did I really do this? Like, I was kind of, like, ashamed of myself, like, if that was how it happened. But the 
the Prague thing was the only one that was like intentional. Like Oxford, like that was for work and that mm-hmm. was not definitely not planned until like a week before it happened. So I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I was a bit excited to go to Oxford because I was like, okay, I just watched Discovery, which is, and one of my coworkers was like insisting to me that this certain building was like the Bodleian Library. And I was like, I promise you that it's not. <laughs> it's like, that is not the building that Diana was in. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't exactly say that was why I knew. I was just like, I definitely You're, know. That it's, that's very, <laughs> it's very. It's very um, share in clueless being like. I know it's yeah. not what he says because Mel Gibson doesn't say it <laughs> in Hamlet. It's exactly what I felt like. Yeah. I always feel like that too, and I'm like, I only know this from some dumb, unrelated, non-academic reason. But he's like pointing to this building, and I was like, no, no. <laughs> Um, that said, though, Oxford was very cute and very charming. And, yeah. Um, all of Europe was super cute and charming, and it only got progressively colder uh, as I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only downer of my trip was that I accidentally, once again, ended up going by myself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It wasn't planned, but, you know, accidents. this is why yeah. I travel by myself anyway and why I tell people, because, like, if you wait on other people, if you count on other people to be there with you, you will never do anything. Yeah. So. That's true. Um, and she had good reasons, my yes. friend, for not showing yes. up, but it was a bit last minute and surprising, and I was just like, okay. I've already been on my own for a week in London, like, yeah. oh no. So yeah. my mom showed up in Berlin, and I was like, hello, hi. <laughs> a human. Company. <laughs> uh, she was a little bit, I think, taken aback. I was like, so happy to see her. <laughs> hmm. um, but now I'm back, and we are back to normal, so... Yeah. Uh, we should really talk about Buffy. We should. And also, my cat just came in the room, so if you hear a little meow, that's what that is. Uh, she maybe already well, left, but... That's okay. Ripley can chime in. Yeah. I'm sure she has a lot of things to say about she Angel. She did not watch Angel with us this morning. She's oh, a little okay. mad, because she kind of got a lot of treats yesterday, and then today she's not getting so many. <laughs> she's not yeah. happy about that. So she keeps leaving... Like, we were in the living room, and she, like, went and sat in the bedroom. So she didn't watch Angel. Anyway. She thought she had this new life, and yeah. you took it away. Yep. But she didn't miss anything. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler alert, did not like this episode of Angel. <laughs> had a lot of complaints. Oh, uh, man. I, uh, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. it when we get to Angel, but I, yeah. I was excited for the season of Angel, and I no longer am. Yes. <laughs> so... But um, I'm excited to talk about Tabula Rasa. Yes. A great follow-up to, I mean, obviously anything after Once More with Feeling is going to be a bit of a letdown, yeah. but it's not. They followed up with a great classic episode. It is I a think. great classic. Um, so let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. <clears> tell <throat> us what happened. So, yes, this comes right up. Tabula Rasa, once again, kind of picks up right where the last episode left off, which is that everybody, I mean, the real big revelation of Once More with feeling <laughs> is that Buffy was, tells everybody that she they didn't save her from a hell dimension. They pulled her out of heaven. So all the Scoobies are kind of um, dealing with that. Meanwhile, basically all the secrets that, you know, a lot of secrets got aired in the last episode. Um, namely, also that Tara re- realized that Willow had cast a memory spell on her. And so they also have a falling out and come pretty close to breaking up uh, before Tara tells Willow, well, okay, if you can go one week without using magic, then maybe we can try and work something out. 
and Willow cannot go <laughs> more than like 20 minutes. <laughs> so pretty quickly, Willow also, as the Scoobies are discussing like what this revelation about Buffy, they're trying to come up with like what they should do and how they should handle it. And pretty much everybody is saying normal things, but Willow of course immediately is like, well, I know a spell. I know what we could do. We could just erase Buffy's memories about the time that she set in heaven. And everybody is pretty aghast at this comment, but that doesn't stop Willow from doing it, even with the threat of Tara breaking up with her. So long, the long and short of it is that Willow casts a memory spell that's supposed to work on Buffy. And I think Tara also, just to make them forget the fights that they've been having and to make Buffy forget her time in heaven. And of course something goes wrong. And so instead of fixing these specific targeted memories, Willow just casts a spell on everybody in the magic shop, which is all the Scoobies and Spike and Dawn, um, where they, they kind of get knocked out for a minute and then wake up and they don't remember who they are. So that most of the episode is everybody trying to piece together what their relationship to one another is and how they, you know, oh, magic's real. Oh, what should be happening? Um, Meanwhile, Spike is with them and Spike is being chased down by a lone shark who's a literal shark demon guy. Um, And so they they did not put that together. They keep getting (laughs) they keep getting attacked by vampires and his like henchmen. So there's just like a lot of confusion and a lot of ruckus. And at the very end of it, somebody breaks the memory spell because Willow has this crystal that she used to cast a spell and then everybody gets their memories back. So it ends on a pretty downer note and Willow, Tara officially moves out and breaks up with Willow. Um, And I would say that that's the main thing. A lot of other little details going on. Um, The other, actually, I guess, big detail is that Giles post once more with feeling, you know, has really truly decided that he needs to leave because him being there is acting as a crutch for Buffy. So he also tells them all that he's leaving. And at the end of the episode, he leaves, flies back to England. Yeah, I, um, I found a really interesting parallel between the Giles and Buffy situation and the Tara and Willow situation. Yes, yeah. Where Giles is obviously Buffy's crutch and magic is Willow's. Mm -hmm. And because Giles is, or like Buffy's crutch is Giles and he's in a position to control it one control it remove himself and also truly cares about not that Tara doesn't care but like he's in a position to both care about helping her be more independent and then being able to make that happen mm-hmm. whereas Tara's not really the crutch and but she's the person who can try to help Willow stop relying on it so much, but she has absolutely zero power to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even the threat of losing Tara obviously isn't enough for Willow. Mm-hmm. And so I found, like, it was really interesting where, like, Buffy is going to be forced to get over this dependence on Giles because Giles is just gone. Is able whereas, to do like, it, yeah. Willow, as we see, is just spiraling deeper. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, yeah. I think my big takeaway from this episode, as with everything, it's not as though I've never had these realizations, but when you only watch a show in passing or, you know, I watch it once in a while or whatever, everything that I've been doing up until we started this podcast, like my takeaway from this episode was always like, it's a great follow up to Once More With Feeling and it's really funny, but like, woof, was this episode heavy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and again, it's not that I don't know that, but it's just not the like top line of it in my memory. Like the top line is... Giles and that funny Spike one think, where they lose their memory. Giles and Spike think that their father and son and get a lot of good one-liners in there. But like, yeah, but it, it's not just that it's the one where Tara and Willow break up, but like, I really thought their drama and plot together was like riveting and super upsetting, you know? And also, I just like never remember it shining a spotlight so much on Willow's exactly. just downward spiral. Like I, <clears throat> I found myself this time, and I think because we've been talking a lot, yeah, um, so far about like how early they've been planting the seeds for all of this, and I think this is definitely the episode where we see it go 
from planting seeds to like things are growing and Mm -hmm. like you know willow has gone off the edge where like she's so casual about yeah let me just erase buffy's memory exactly like and tara confronts her and tells her i know that you did this to me first of all how could you second and willow is one unconvinced that she did anything truly yeah, wrong. Yeah. Like, she's sad that Tara is upset, but she's, at that it's, at her core, obviously doesn't really think she did she's anything. She's not apologetic. Vi- yeah, she's not, and she doesn't even agree that it was a violation, yeah, so that's a problem. Is, yes. And then immediately goes and does it on a larger scale, yes. and at the end, she's, like, crying and sad, but it's, it's like, like... you, I, yeah. Like, so she and Tara have this conversation where Tara, you know, threatens that, you know, I think we need space because... First of all, you violated my mind. Mm-hmm. And second, I mean, Tara's completely in the right. Totally. And Willow offers to go, I mean, she's like classic bargaining, right? Like she offers to go a month without magic. Mm-hmm. Tara backs down immediately to a week because I think she knows on that it's not gonna this eat, level. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. So like why put it up for a month? Like she knows Willow right. can go a day. Yeah, that's a good point. And Literally the next day, Willow's, like, learning zero lessons. Like, oh, well, let me just have Tara not remember this conversation. Yeah, Buffy yeah. Not and it's, like, she she's she cannot be convinced at this point that anything she's doing is not in the right. And I, I mean, she's definitely tripping on power now at this she point. She is, right? because just, she, well, she just thinks she knows better or nothing's wrong. And I, I, the question that we've talked about that I still think isn't answered is how much of this is, like, truly Willow's power tripping or narcissism or whatever or how much of this is like the magic like infecting her huh. I mean I guess I ultimately don't really believe it's the magic I think it's Willow I, it's not that I don't think the magic has any effect on it you know it's, I mean it's I, ugh, I don't <laughs> you know they're gonna make a pretty inelegant episode that alludes to this being an addiction and treated as such. And I've always kind of scoffed at that episode because it's so heavy handed, but I guess overall, maybe it's not the worst analogy because it's like, it it is kind of like any other addiction where it's like, yes, drinking does have an effect on you. And if you're prone to alcoholism, that is going to have a thing on you, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it absolves her of her ultimate responsibility for herself. No, that's, and I think you're right. And I I guess I'm saying that, I guess I'm saying from that, I draw the conclusion that it's not its not as though the magic ultimately has done something to her that she can't control. I think she's just fallen under. Yes, I think it's her. I think it's her. No, I came to the same conclusion because I... This is where you really have to confront this idea of, like, Willow as villain. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like, yeah, that why too. does Tara even have to point out to her that right, violating right. someone else's memory or... Especially Tara, who has this history with Glory, and Willow doesn't even consider it. And, mm-hmm. you know, these conversations she's had with Giles, with Tara, like, nothing's getting through to her. And it's like, we're not seeing any evidence that... I mean, maybe she is a bit tainted by the magic. I mean, we see her later, like, there is some sort of darkness there. But, like, clearly a lot of it is Willow just doesn't see anything wrong with this. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, like, this addiction analogy, I agree with you. There's an episode coming that is a bit, like, you know, hitting the nail on the head, like, just over and over and Mm -hmm. over. But, like... This episode, I thought, did it in a very subtle way where Willow's behavior right. sells that so much I more agree. to me. Like, like her immediately going, what? No, I'm fine. See, I don't even need it. I can right. go a month without it. Right. Like, it was like classic, like, I don't have, I'm not, I don't need to drink. I could go, a, you know, yeah. like, however long you want without a drink. And it's yeah. like, it just, that to me is a much more subtle, like, yeah. parallel. Yeah, I agree. Um, The other thing that I really think... <sighs> 
comes out of that conversation, or I guess what I mean to say is like the line that really, really guts me is when Tara says, you're fixing everything to your liking, including me. And I think that is the moment where I'm like, yep, you killed it. Like this whole, all the, like, I, I don't know. I just think it's such a good line and it's such a good observation. And also like Tara, you know, Amber Benson, I think was pretty weak in season four as an actress on the whole, like I still liked her, but we talked about it a few times then, but like, she's really come around, you know, like her in this episode, like she really took the cake. I think I, but yeah, like her saying that and Willow, even that line not penetrating for Willow, I think really just is is the real proof that like this is not just the magic. Willow has lost some sight of something and she is turned a corner, <laughs> you know, for someone yeah, to say something like that to you and you to still not even take the time to really consider it is like that is bad. <laughs> yeah, because I think we've talked about before how Willow's using magic as like an emotional shortcut. Right. But the, the reason that doesn't work is because emotion, especially in a relationship, it's not just you. Right. Like there's another party and Willow's just trying to mold it to like, you know, in What's some ways easiest. she's a lot like Warren where yeah. she's trying to build this partner. Ironically. Yeah. She's trying, oh my God. She's trying oh. to build this partner who conforms to what she wants and does what she wants. And she's using magic to do it instead of like robotics. Right. But the end result of a Tara with her memory wiped is just a robot Tara who only loves totally, Willow. Totally, totally. doesn't have wants and needs and, like, concerns of her own. Man, did they do that on <laughs> they did I don't that know. <laughs> did they mean to parallel Warren and Willow so well? Oh, I don't both know. Both their names start with Ws. Is that another clue? <laughs> Man, no. This just I think occurred that to was, me. No, but I totally think you're right that that... And if anything, again, it really is putting a really nice undercurrent to her villainy in here that like it's so easy to look at Warren and understand it pretty clearly that like he is a bad person and I have no problem believing that he's going to make the turn into supervillain. Whereas with Willow, it's like, man, it's all the same bones are there. I mean, the difference being that we've just spent so much more time with Willow when she's not doing these things. So it's like I understand everybody's hesitancy to like believe it or to want it, but it is there. Well, and it's also easy to point to Warren and say misogyny and like that's the answer. Right, but right. If you if you look at them, they're like his misogyny and her treatment of Tara are rooted in the same thing. Like they're frustrated that they don't get what they want right. and they're not considering what other people might want. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Um, yeah, I know, I just was like, whew. <laughs> well, Maybe let's talk about the lighter elements of this episode. (laughs) We will have a lot of time to talk about. Yes. And not because I don't think we could go on for a while more about this stuff, but I just don't want to under, I don't want to disservice the pretty, the great comedy gold that is in this episode. (laughs) Um, I mean, starting off with the lone shark, who's a shark. (laughs) Okay. So you said that and I had not made that connection. (laughs) And I mean that once again, we just get this kind of payoff of this like really ridiculous life that the demons in Sunnydale are leaving that like they are terrible and it is cruel that they are trading in kittens, but it's also just so silly that, you know, what Spike owes him is a bunch of Siamese kittens and that the lone shark guy is like, I don't remember what his real name is, so I'm just gonna keep calling him that. He says... Spike like asks him for more time or something and he's like time is what turns kittens into cats and I was like that is just such a funny thing to say (laughs) oh man yeah yeah I mean so like right off the bat there's kind of this just like silly trappings as to why they're getting 
beaten up by vampires, you know, in the middle and the end of this episode. But I, I appreciate too that like it's a nice balance between like the really, really heavy emotional stuff. We don't need a really bad demon. You know, this guy is like ultimately it's not that he's not a th- not threatening, but like, you know, they don't even really beat him in the end. It, they do sort of beat his henchmen, but he kind of just is like, yeah, whatever. Fine. <laughs> you know, like he's not a really terrifying um, villain for them. No, but I, think I kept it works thinking, like, someone needs to just punch that guy in the gills. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but I think it works for this episode, is that, like, we don't need some heavier theme around it because the rest of what's going on is so dark that it's, like, nice to kind of have this lighter demon, this lighter kind of conflict, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. Who, also, yeah. the little moments that we get from the, the memory loss are just well, gold. Well, exactly. So who is your favorite pairing in this post-memory lost world. I think Anya and Giles. Okay. Because I love that moment where Anya's like, oh, it's cool. We're engaged. And she, like, shows him the ring and Giles, like, proudly adjusts his tie. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh. (laughs) I agree that it's a toss-up between Anya and Giles and Giles and Spike because their whole thing is just every... Well, we'll just call them their little family unit. Their little family unit. <laughs> um, yes, Spike, Giles's son as he's about to marry a much younger woman that Spike resents and also he's been named Randy Giles. <laughs> he's wearing this ridiculous tweed outfit. <laughs> and also, like, I, I think, you know, once again, this is like, the way, the mechanics of this memory loss are like, let's not get into it because it's really probably not going to make sense if we, like, look too closely at it but like spike sitting there not realizing that he's british until he just like says a series of like blimey bollocks and it's like bloody <laughs> like oh i'm british too <laughs> you know like i'm i'm willing to overlook the specifics because it's really not important you know yeah no but i love this little encapsulation of like this dysfunctional family yeah. like spike calls anya his tardy yeah. stepmom she's, and then she's like tardy so one that like giles waited too long to remarry and also that he did it with a woman half his age yeah. and then and then how their relationship immediately devolves into like you know um dysfunctional as well while they're trying to like figure out the magic yeah. bunnies and then giles is like well, figures finds the plane yeah, ticket no and he's like I'm no leaving. wonder i'm leaving you <laughs> totally 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 um yeah i have to say i think the one that works the worst oddly my least favorite was don and buffy i think it was something about the way both of them played it was like they were both like oddly meek in a way that they never are and it was just annoying (laughs) i was like uh move along move along like buffy and spike palling around and like fighting demons together was like i was in for that i was in for everything else but like don and buffy was like "Uh." i i appreciate that you're trying to make this point it's not working yeah also their immediate assumption that their sisters didn't really work for me because i i don't know why they would even have that like bickering relationship without any memory well of this is where yes let's not ask those questions sorry (laughs) going too deep um i think but i do what i do also uh, i like but it is also a nitpick about this episode is that what's cool is you know so they don't know who they are over the course of the episode, Buffy realizes basically that she's superhuman and she gets to have this kind of fun realization that like, I'm a superhero. I get to, I'm, I'm clearly built to kill these things that are monsters and kind of even a little further, her and Spike have this like good teamwork fighting relationship where they do this thing together and work well as a unit. So I think what I, I like about this episode is that like, I kind of like this opportunity for Buffy to rediscover 
part of who she is without all of the baggage, you know, like it, she really does maybe need a moment to like forget all of the awful things that have happened to her because she's the Slayer and maybe take a moment to just be the Slayer and kind of revel in that. And so it's like, I think that's such a cool idea. And I think mostly just because the real heart of this episode is Willow and Tara that that kind of gets brushed aside. And I sort of also think that the season is going to kind of brush aside that she sort of did have a tiny revelation in this episode. Like, I don't know. I guess that what I'm saying is that I really like that as an element of this episode, but I think that they sort of forget that f- for the rest of the season until the very end of the season again. Right. And it's like kind of a like wasted her- opportunity that she does re- re- realize that she has things to live for and that she wants to do certain things with her life you know, because that's kind of Buffy's arc for this season. And certainly where she is right now is like, I'm miserable on Earth and I don't want to be here and I have nothing to live for is kind of where she's at. So like, I think having her, giving her this little moment to kind of see some glimmers of the things that she does enjoy about life is really cool. But I also feel like they have to backtrack it really quickly because like, we're just, we're only in episode eight, you know? Yeah, but I also kind of read it as, you know, this is Joan's revelation and Joan finding this out for the first time. And so Joan is like newly reinvigorated by this idea of being a superhero. And then what I read as when they got their memories back is Buffy is like nearly catatonic from the weight of like her memories. Right. Yeah, that's true. It kind of like wipes it all out. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I just want Buffy Um, to be happy. And I was like, she could be happy if she could find a way to kind of go off of this thread, like knowing that she still ultimately has to deal with her, her life. But like, yeah, I don't know. Well, she's then, you know, driven back into the arms of Spike. Oh, true. um, By Michelle Branch. Oh my God. I, I love that scene though. I, I was like, oh, I, I, I feel like again, like we've kind of covered a lot in this first eight episodes, how, pretty twisted the Buffy Spike relationship is out out the gate that like as much as my little fandom heart wants them to just be a couple and be happy together like that's really not what we're being presented with here and I understand that but I still really like that scene not just because it's like it is kind of heartbreaking and sad but it is also just like I don't know something about it just really hit a good bittersweet note for me yeah I mean I definitely don't think it's supposed to be a romantic moment and I don't think it came across that way but I still it was still satisfying if that makes sense no, it definitely was. And also I was laughing because nothing to me screamed the year of this oh episode my God. more than like <laughs> the Michelle extended <laughs> like Michelle Branch appearance of like her entire song. Yes. Like that was clearly some promo thing built into the network. I and, know. Like because usually the bronze like it's like these unknown indie acts and they play like a bit of a song. This was like the full song mm-hmm. and at a time where like people definitely would have been like, oh, that's Michelle Branch. Yeah. Like. It's so funny, too, though, because I said that to Alex. I was like, oh, Michelle Branch. And he was like, who? And I was like, (laughs) I give up. (laughs) You're hopeless sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, explain to you who Michelle Branch is if you don't already know. But for me, it was like an unintended, like, extra comedy layer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, it's effective. Like, her song is, you know, like... I guess a bit heavy handed for the scene. No, but, like, but I'm totally with yeah. you. I was like, you know what? This is really on the nose, but I really like it. I, 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 it is, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice song. Maybe. I don't know. Not when she sing. I, you know, she, I think she might've been singing it live and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, like anyway. heavy handed that they're saying goodbye to you as Tara packs up her bag or box and yeah. leaves the house. But I, it is, Maybe just because it's a nostalgic song also, I think it did make me feel that moment a little harder. (laughs) I would say that this is cheesy, but it's really making me think back to my life as a, you know, younger person and get sad about that. (laughs) Well, I guess 
I don't know. Do we put a pin in this? Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that we didn't cover? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't think so. I think we covered the main parts. I guess my last like, comment is just that I do think, again, kind of why some of this comedy works really well and why this was kind of a fun episode and the, you know, the main meat of it is because, because of this, like, construct that they have where nobody remembers who they are we do get to see people interact in ways that they don't like we got to see different pairings than we normally do you know like Giles really hates Spike so they pretty much never talk and every time that they have in the past it's also been super entertaining and great so like I I do think that this was like a really clever device you know like sometimes it's like you see the strings and you're like oh stop trying to make force all this stuff to happen but this was like I think a nice a nice plot turn where it's like we came up with this idea and then we got to pair off all these characters that we don't always see together and I think that that just worked really well yeah, Sometimes. but also that, like, Giles and Spike get to interact in a way they don't usually, exactly. except their relationship <clears throat> still becomes, like, um, like Contentious. And, yeah. <laughs> like. Yes, agreed. But yeah, okay, no, I think that's everything I have to say. Like, I do think it's neat that everybody, I'm sure this was intentional, but even without their memories, kind of slips back into, like, exactly. Their, like correct state like mm-hmm. you know, Willow thinking she's with Xander, but then obviously being attracted to Tara. And giving us a throwback line. I think I'm kind of gay is also the thing that she said in season two or three, three. That's right. Um, But yeah, no, exactly. I agree that it's fun to kind of see everybody come back to who they really are. And I think that's kind of a nice, you know, it's like a nice little comment that like you, your identity is not only one thing. Although, well, again, let's not examine that too, too far. Yeah. I mean, in the end, Willow is crying and I don't care. So it's true. She really, and I honestly, really flew off the handle on her. It's the first time in the history of the show where yeah. Allison Hannigan is doing some great exactly. crying work and, and I'm just like, meh. <laughs> no, I was going to say the same thing. You're totally right. It was still great, Allison Hannigan crying, but in context was like, I'm steel to you now. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, good for you. Yeah. Go cry. <laughs> she was so awful in this episode. And like, also, like, if I thought her crying was in any way like not just about the fact that Tara left her yes. and that she felt bad for what she'd exactly. done and I might feel bad but she doesn't no. have any remorse no so agreed yeah. all right okay. ready Randy I'm ready did you call me Randy I did <laughs> <laughs> oh why not just name me horny Giles <laughs> <laughs> okay I I, that, I just decided I'm Joan <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Mm, okay, so tell me... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Really quickly. The other, I think, could have gone the wrong way, but landed for me as a good joke was <laughs> as Spike is realizing that he's a vampire and that he's fighting with the good guys and that he's like, I help the helpless. I, I am yeah. a devil with a soul, or I mean a vampire with a soul. I was like, that's I, that worked. I thought it was hilarious. I'm a noble vampire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now tell us about the real quote-unquote noble vampire. <laughs> okay, uh, so we have quickening, um, and I apologize, but I am not going to do a good job with the details <laughs> here, so just high level. Obviously, Darla is still with the team and very heavily pregnant and now going into labor, and so everyone's trying to figure out, one, what is this baby, why is this baby, and how is this baby, including now, um, unfortunately, because of some surveillance cameras from Gavin Park, Wolferman Hart knows about this as well. Um, They're a bit taken aback, though, because uh, one, vampire pregnancy, and also none of their uh, psychics on payroll seem to have predicted this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
the poor psychics are getting, you know, assassinated one by one as they can't really explain themselves, but also Wolfram and Hart and their various resources are now working overtime to try to figure out what's going on and also, of course, plan to kidnap the child and mother for their own purposes, Mm -hmm. namely, uh, it sounds like, dissection. Mm -hmm. And they pull in this really creepy, like, monk guy to, like, I don't know. Yeah do whatever his plan was going to be. On top of that, uh, this guy, we also start out with a flashback that I don't really want to get into, Mm -hmm. but um, Holtz is alive and well in the 20th century, 21st century, I suppose, at this point, and um, getting caught up on all the historical events that he missed and also finding out exactly why and what Angel's been up to and why he and Darla are still alive. Um, and so he's not aware of the baby or anything like that, but he's on the hunt for Angel, takes out pretty much the entire Wolfram and Hart team, so we know that he's a formidable foe for Angel, mm-hmm. um, or Angelus, as he would prefer to call him, and then we end the episode with him and Angel meeting for the first time. In 200 after all years, these years, yeah. Yeah, but in the meantime, they have taken Darla for a... Uh, ultrasound mm-hmm. and realize that the baby is human mm-hmm. and also a boy so yeah. angel's all i'm gonna have a son yeah. and unfortunately there's also a cult of vampires already worshiping the child yeah. who want to kill all the humans <laughs> so they've got to escape from them and then they all end up in angel's car in an alley um and darla's water breaks yes so um you did leave out the beginning with holtz also where we see that Back in the day when he... or Yes. When he, well, I said the flashback that I didn't really want to talk oh, about. Oh, sorry. Because, no, it's okay. We can mention it. So we get the backstory that Angel and Darla killed Holtz's family. Yes, his wife and children. So, yeah. I suppose that is important. I think it is. <laughs> I just, I... Well. So I was like one second in and I was like rolling my eyes because I was just like, great. I, yeah. I, they're well, all this... I Okay, well, we so, can segue into it. Like, yeah. I, I feel like for me, the big thing about Holtz that... Like, I had this memory of, like, oh, this season with Holtz, and it's, like, a big season for Angel, and I was, like, really excited to get into this season, but in practice right now, I don't know. Every time they show a flashback, and they're, like, driving home this point that we already know that Angel's past was terrible. He was a terrible vampire. Like, I feel like they keep showing us different variations on this and trying to make us care, like, uh, like, about uh, yet another of his victims, but I just... I feel like it's too much. Like, it's just <clears throat> no longer effective for me. Like, I know Angel was bad, and I, I'm just, like, not that interested in his past anymore. I, I have a, a similar reaction, a slightly different take on it. I think what how I would summarize my dislike of specifically this episode, but also a lot of the recent plot lines, is that I think... I think we've kind of called them out on this before, too. But Angel, the show, really often falls a lot more into the camp of showing and not telling. You know, there's so they spend so much time telling us that Holtz is a great vampire hunter. But we never see how he outsmarts them, how he outruns them, why they... You know, there's a lot of, like, reference to them already having been trapped by him. But we never see why he's so good at it. So it's kind of unsatisfying him as a counterpoint to them. Like, they've told us... Like, even you said this in your summary, is, is like, we're told that he's a formidable foe because he shows up and in a room full of bad guys and then the next scene they're all dead but we didn't see him fight them or outsmart them in any way and like also his family you know he's supposed to be a good vampire hunter meanwhile he's apparently not told warned his wife or child hey don't invite strangers in because they might be vampires so it's like i don't really even feel that bad well, for them why are you letting your six-year-old he, answer the door yeah 
So he he warned the child, but like also again, like the mom should what be the were one you doing? The door. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah. they must know that this is what their husband her husband does. So like, you must be aware that the threats are even higher for you. So I guess I'm just saying that like the little evidence that we do get about his life suggests that he's not that smart. <laughs> I don't know. So I just I really dislike shoving in new characters and trying to make us care about them. But meanwhile, never like we don't see Holtz and Angel have that much personal one on one time. So it's like I don't. They don't have like good banter. They don't have good history. It's just Angel and Darla all over again, where you're telling me that they're this great love story or something. But every time we see it, it's scant and bad and bad. <laughs> so it just yeah, feels well, like, like that why again. not like, take the flashbacks and show us more about Holtz and his like how yeah. he like how did is he doing become this? a vampire instead hunter instead of like yet another scene I where Darla and Angel are like eating children. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Like and. And I think that's why I get bored because I'm like, I've seen this. I don't care. Like, I, yes, I know Darla's bad. Angel's good. Okay, move on. And the like, same thing, the same thing that Angel has had for a while veered away from, and I think to the show's, you know, betterment is that now once again, they're kind of falling back on this great prophecy. There's all these fates that I have a lot of complaints about the way they're using the word and term fate. Also, like they just are telling us that everybody here is part of something bigger. Therefore, we should care about it. And I'm like, but the guy who's telling us this, only seen him once before, don't really care who he is. Like, I think a better, it is a more obvious storyline, but I think it would have been more effective to just say, to show us why Holtz got into vampire hunting, to show that he outsmarted them a few times and was formidable, and then to have them kill his family and for him to wait 200 years to get vengeance on them. I kind of like that. You know, like they're about to have a son and he's going to get to try and kill him. I think that's... That's a fine story. You know, like, why are we convoluting it with a lot more weirdness that is harder to explain? And I think that's the problem is like, in my memory, that's the story that yeah. I remember. And I think it's great. But in practice, it's a slog to watch. It is. And again, though, Ali, like, what is Holtz's skill? He's, I don't know. <laughs> how is he good at anything? I haven't seen it. And who is that other guy? And why can't he touch Angel? And why would I give a hoot? I don't care at all why this guy <laughs> has brought Holtz into the future to do his bidding. Like, why doesn't he just have some simple grudge against Angel, too? I really got mad when he was like, it's fate that you're here and we're part of this thing. I was like, that's not the way fate should be used in stories. Fate is that fate? fate is you supposed brought to, him there yourself. Fate is supposed to be determination despite all the free will and all the actions that you have taken. You still end up in the same area. It's not you saying, and this is, is your fate. To be like, you need to do oh, this. Oh, dude, what are you doing here in this time yes. with me? Yes. Like, he actively brought him there. Exactly. That's I'm not like, fate. you gave him a choice and he took it. That's his free will. That's not the fate part of any story. I'm sorry you're misusing this word and it's making me really annoyed. I'm like, the way that these kinds of stories like trying to create myths and mythology and really deep like God and God, you know, or maybe not gods, but you know, like the powers that be are kind of this like bigger all seeing force or something, but like they never nail the landing for me. Mm -mm. It's like really good in a good story when someone does a riff on these kind of like classic story arcs and story points and story plots, but like this is not it. They should just stick to, gray demons and and angel and his pals you know <laughs> like gray area demons and their personal dynamics are good enough for this show i don't know why they're trying to bring more into it yeah it, anyway i i had this like i always worry when i'm watching angel like i mean because we still have like two and a half more seasons to go on this mm -hmm. like i'm watching this i'm like is Angel just not a good show? Like, because I feel like we've been waiting for it to get good for three seasons now, and it's not there yet. Yeah. 
and it has its moments. Like it, yes, you know, I think the end of the last season, we were like, "Wow, this is this is great." I love watching it and enjoying the episodes, and we've had some good ones this season too. But overall, I feel like I'm judging it on like a C, right? Yeah, like I agree. Maybe you're average, but I like, agree. You're not anything special, and. I mean, because and then we just watched this episode of Buffy where they're doing, they're nailing everything, and I'm like, how do, how can you not translate those skills to this this other show? And this is is in the season of Buffy that people hate. You know, like this is their worst stuff in some ways. You know, like for Buffy to still be able to pull out something, it's just so much tighter. I guess is what I always kind of think about when we're comparing these two, and it does kind of maybe do Angel disservice that we watch them back to back because. Yes, like, maybe you don't like all the choices that they make in Buffy. Maybe you don't like some of the storylines, but ultimately, for the most part, especially everything post, like, second half of season two of what we've watched, everything in Buffy is is tightly plotted in a way that is coherent. You know, it's like we're never off on these weird tangents where we just have to stop and say, like, hold on, who are any of these people? You know, like, I've never had to ask myself, who is this in an episode of Buffy? <laughs> like, you're just like, why are you doing this? I think that they're still trying so hard to make Angel a different show than Buffy that they're not leaning into the ultimate, like, the ultimate thing that Joss Whedon and his shows are good at is personal dynamics and banter. So, like, I don't care if that's something that they're also doing in Buffy. You can, it just means slightly different trappings for that to still be fun. These are still different characters who have totally different motives and different pasts. So, like, even just doing that same thing with new characters is still fun to watch because they're different people. But I think maybe that's the problem. They're trying to apply this formula to a set of characters that they set up incorrectly for that to work. Because, like, if your main character is, like, a stick in the mud, then how are you ever supposed to, like, establish that kind of rapport? And, like, we've talked about how it works better when, like, the larger ensemble can really be a bigger part of it. But then they keep forgetting that that, and then trying to refocus on Angel. And Angel is the least interesting part of his own show. And, like, honestly... After a few episodes, this whole vampire with a soul thing is not that interesting. And yeah. <laughs> it's really not that, like, as it's not that rich of a vein of stories to tap. It was more interesting whereas, when he was the forbidden love for the Slayer. Like, that's a cooler story yeah. than Vampire with yeah. a Soul. That was just a means but on to his get his him own, there. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if he was really enough to build a show around. And so I think where they're getting around that is they're doing things like this ensemble that they've created. Yes. They're expanding this universe of demons and evil and all that. And like even Wolfram and Hart on occasion like adds to that. But like they're not focusing they're just on all, the right yes. things. They keep trying they're, to bring it back to Angel and Angel is just not that interesting. But I think also they're just not focusing. They're just not focused. They never know what is what is the story that they're trying to tell here because they go from one thing to another. Like literally two episodes ago we had Angel and Cordelia's romance blossoming. And that was, I think, really good point that they can do something with Angel, which is bring him out of his shell with a character who's totally his opposite personality wise. And then like us getting to watch that and be like, man, that is fun. I love watching that. And then to literally the next episode be like, and now she hates him. So forget about that for, I don't know, five more episodes or whatever. I don't know. I don't know when it comes back. Right. But like, I, it's just like, they go down a path that is fulfilling. They have this whole great thing with Fred and her relationship to everybody. And then they just immediately draw the focus back off of that. It's not about the group anymore. It's about Angel, but like, yes, you're right. But it's just like, they're all over the place. Also, this whole thing of, like, Fred giving away that the baby... I know! ...couldn't be... T- I'm like, Fred's not that stupid. Also, since when do vampires have super... I, I mean, I guess I believe it, but it's just like, yeah, that was, like, such a bad line. <laughs> don't they you have, remember? We, I think we've always <laughs> known their hearing is good, but, like, Fred wouldn't forget that. I don't know. I agree. I agree. Okay, do we have to say, like, one nice thing about the episode now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... I... I guess... 
Angel, it's just like, it's just, it's not so bad that it's good. You are struggling. It's not so bad that it's good. It's just frustrating. I think that's why it's like so close to being something that's good. It's so close to being this just darker alternate universe version of Buffy. And instead it's just constantly trying to do something more. Even I have to say, I really love Daniel Day Kim and I love his like screen presence. He's so charming and smarmy in a way that is always fun to watch, but his character doesn't make any sense either. I'm like, why go through this weird rigmarole with this mailroom guy to get to Lila? Like, I don't understand his plots and I don't care about them. I will tell you, it is frustrating watching him on this show because he is also doing really well with like poor material. Yeah. He's really doing his best. But then I'm like, I know exactly what you can do with great material. And it's just like, I only have to wait a few more years and then you're going to be Jen and it's fine. But But even Lila, I love Lila, but when they give her these shitty stories, I'm sorry, like give her these just like stupid storylines. I'm like, I don't, your interpolitics with Lindsay were kind of interesting because they were really straightforward and you guys were charming. You know, it's like, you don't need to overthink everything. Yeah. The Wolfman Heart stuff of like everybody triple crossing everybody else is like, again, I think it's just like a well that's kind of run dry and it's, I agree. It's, it's, predictable at this point like you know I forgot about the mailroom guy and immediately I was like well he's gonna just do whatever like you yeah. can't trust this exactly. guy and like and I do cares? think it's interesting like this angle of Gavin Park trying to use basic like law and you know human technology to bring down Angel yeah. and, you know like he's bugging his yeah. hotel yeah, and yeah. he's trying to get him on like coding code violations and stuff like that and Lila's kind of like <clears> writing <throat> it off as small small potatoes like not really gonna do anything but I'm like no, actually, that's kind of, like, a clever angle. Yeah. But but because Gavin's only been in, like, three episodes and he keeps going away and coming back, going yeah. away and coming back, like, every time he comes back to deal with Lila, you have to, like, remind yourself all over again, Agreed. like, oh, right, this is still happening. Yeah. Okay. And then you have to, like, try to care. Yeah. I I, I, I want to say something nice, and I... I just feel like a lot about this episode got everything, like, so close, but, like, exactly. just not right enough. We were also like, in such a good spot. I think that's also why this episode is really annoying. I mean, and even the last episode, where it's like, I knew that bringing Darla back was going to bring back some bad taste for me personally. But if we could still just somehow keep it on this beautiful group dynamic that has been slowly evolving in the background, every time they go back to it, it's great. You know, it's like... They but they to- don't do that because every time something like this pops up, Darla is an angel problem, and Darla and Angel's past is their problem, and like all of this, yeah. they can't bring the group exactly. in because Angel shuts them out and like doesn't care what they want. Yeah. Like nobody, everybody else is like, uh, "This is kind of weird." There's like yeah. a vampire baby. What's going on? And Angel's just yeah. like, "My son." Yeah, like, like that wasn't even you know, satisfying for him to be excited about having a kid. Was also just kind of like, I don't know, where did this come from? <laughs> All right, let me look at my notes for something nice to say. Maybe I have some. I had something. Oh. Okay. These are the three things that I liked about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I liked Lila having to sign her new contract in her blood. Oh, that was lovely detail. Loved it. I liked that they called in a guy who was the leading expert on paranormal obstetrics. That's just a fun line. That's a fun turn of phrase. I like knowing that in this weird, dark world, these offshoots of all, everything normal has kind of a like bizarro version of it right like he's a also obs- we realize the way he became an expert on paranormal Ugh. obstetrics was not necessarily by having the baby come to term right 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 but like i was like oh that's a cool like that's a side character that i don't mind introducing because he just needs 
one sentence of introduction. I don't have to care about him. And he's just like a fun flavor for the thing. Whereas like, yes. Okay. I won't get into the things I don't like. Okay. Last thing that I like. Oh, also one more note on that guy. I love the reveal at the very end when he's dead that he had like bird feet. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I so do So Angel like that. was like, when he comes in the hotel and everybody's like dead on the floor, he like sees that guy and then he's like, wait, what? And he has like bird feet. But we never <laughs> saw that until that moment. Yeah. No, I like that too then. Um, and the last thing that I liked was, again, I don't like why, why we were in this situation was a lot of weird, weird plot. But they're all in the delivery room. They get attacked by this group of vampires and eventually comes to a head and they all just have to get in a big brawl. But like Darla joins in on that brawl. I thought that was really fun, too. It's like, I don't like Darla, but I like watching pregnant Darla go badass on a bunch of vampires that are trying to kill her. Like, that's fun. Like, why couldn't it have just been more straightforward? Like, why was there that ninja guy? Why did we see this ninja guy preparing, calling his magical sword, jumping in the fight, oh, immediately, immediately die? die? And, like, I, and, like, I think they think they're being clever there by, like, thwarting something. But this this episode was full of people we had never seen before. I was like, you can't just throw in... Oh, that's all I'll say. That I did also, annoying. like, Darla... Um, being totally fine with the vampire cult, just killing all the humans. Yeah, and then they were like, also, we're going to wear your eyeballs. And she was like, nope, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, like she was like, until it was also a threat to yeah. her, like I was like, this is totally consistent with Darla. Agreed, like, agreed. She would be totally fine with all of this. And that's a, like a nice little note. But like, that's the thing, focusing on the like character and all of that. And there just wasn't enough yeah, of that. Yeah, focus on the characters as they've been established. Throw inside characters because they're going to add to your main characters, not because they're just going to be some weird distraction that, like, makes you feel clever because, like, haha, you thought this ninja was important and it turns out he's nobody. Like... Well, what really annoyed me about him was we spent way too much time with him. He had, like, like a full minute and a half of screen time. Like, yeah. why? Did they just yeah. run short on this episode? Like, I don't we gotta know, fill this that, in. that was annoying. Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything else. Needed more gun, needed more Wesley, needed more Cordelia, needed more Fred. Needed less, not even tertiary, what is the word for fourth ring characters that we're never going to see again? <laughs> needed less flashback. Needed less flashback. Or needed a more interesting vein for flashbacks. Agreed. Like, who the hell is Holtz? Why are we not seeing him in his personal life? It would have been great to see him before he became a vampire hunter. I'm assuming he had some sort of bad run-in with vampires that, like, led him down this dark path, you know? Well, so here's the thing, because it makes sense that he's out to get Angel because Angel killed his family, but we don't see him before that part. Why is he hunting Angel and Darla? Why is he, ki why is he vested in killing vampires? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Why are they so afraid of him? I, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, next time we've got. Um, uh, oh, right. That's what I was looking up. Smashed. Yes. Oh, oh, and, we're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're there. And. Um, dad. Is it dad? Yep. Okay. Oh, no. Lullaby. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Lullaby. She's got to have the baby. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I was like, really? I thought it was lullaby. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So smashed and lullaby. Can't say I'm much excited for either. I'm excited for Smash. I think Smash is going to at least be a rich vein for us, if not a good episode. Yeah. And we get to see that actor again. I know. I like we him. Could, yeah. okay. okay. So, okay. I'm going to be optimistic. And you know what? I'll say looking forward to Lullaby because at least we end a certain arc. So yeah. that's fine. <sighs> say goodbye to a character again. <laughs> <laughs> this time for real. Okay. So... In the meantime, until 
we get to that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pop culture? I'm assuming you must. It's been a month. Although I don't think that I have any, so. <laughs> but have I watched anything new or done anything new? Oh, you know what? I don't have a pop culture, but I do think we have a pop culture thing to note and discuss, not discuss, but just mention, I think in lieu of recommendations. Again, like apologies because we're airing and recording in such a strange way that like nothing that we say is is current, but a few, like a week or a week and a half ago from when we're recording this, uh, Luke Perry passed away. Oh my God, and that's it was just like, what I was just going to say. We, we yeah, forgot to it was mention. really kind of, I think, I don't know, oddly, I was a little oddly affected by it. I was pretty sad. He was really young. It kind of came out of nowhere. It doesn't, from everything that I've read, it doesn't seem like he, you know, he, I don't think he was like a serious drug addict or had like a dark past. It seems like he was kind of just a really nice guy <laughs> who like had a couple of iconic roles, including in Buffy the movie as Pike, kind of proto Xander <laughs> and proto <Zip> Spike. <laughs> so I don't know. It was a bummer and... But I think I'm happy to kind of just mention that, like, I have enjoyed a lot of his work. Well done, Luke Perry. It seems like you were a great guy. I'm sorry, you you know, he's not going to be around more, but, like, way to contribute to a lot of iconic pop culture. Yeah. I mean, Dylan McKay is dead. That's yeah. Upsetting. Mm. It is upsetting. And Archie's and also, dad. what was more upsetting was, yeah. like, after the fact, like, reading all these Twitter feeds and, like, all this stuff about, like, just what a great guy he was and, like, how that was so under the radar. Yes. Even Reddit was only full of nice stories of him and, like, they can always dig up something. (laughs) Ian, 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 Ian Ian. Ziering had some, like, post where he was like, oh, this is a picture of, like, we were having, like, a baby shower photos because his his wife was pregnant and then, like, Luke Perry just came over and, like, built them a crib or a fence or something because he was like, you need this. I was like, okay, thanks. Now I'm crying. (laughs) I read a great thread um, Emma Caulfield put on Twitter because um, she was also on 90210 and uh, like her first week on set or whatever, like Luke Perry was like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, how are the bitches treating you? <laughs> <laughs> and she said like, you know, it was like, like the, her first time, like a like one of her first big roles and like, you know, she was obviously understandably nervous to step onto that yeah. set and like he just like really tried to make her feel welcome. Yeah. Well, and, like, that was all the other stories that I read were a lot of people who were, like, PAs or, like, weird crew, not weird, just, like, side crew members, and they were just always, like, oh, he always talked to us and, like, said hey and, like, had a conversation. Like, no one ever does that. (laughs) Which is, like, fair. I mean, I get it. Not everybody, you know, it's not like you're not there working, so it's not that everybody needs to do those things, but the fact that he was, like, known for just being a friendly guy on set and in life. Man. (sighs) Okay. Well, so, yeah. Not a pop culture recommendation, but a, like, little side note that, like, of appreciation to your work yeah and i'd say definitely if you're interested in the if you're you happen to be younger and you've never checked it out like at least the first three seasons of 90210 give you a really good idea of like Mm -hmm. i watched the the standard that he set for that character (laughs) i watched the first like two seasons a few like several months back and then i took a little pause but maybe i'll go back at some point I also had to take a yeah, pause I mean, from the OC because it just got so bad. <laughs> I'll go back you. and finish it, but it is rough in the middle. Oh, man. The, the, the second and third season are really hard to get through. Yeah, there was a but lot. But I like the fourth season again. I think, it, I think the first and the fourth like together are like a fun, like funhouse mirror. Of each yeah. Other, and they're yeah. just like really back to like what made that show fun to yeah. watch. The second and third season is just like, uh-uh. Sometimes they say these things and I'm like, I... How how did this line get through writers <laughs> and opinions and then filming? Sure. Yeah. But if you wait, if you get to the fourth season, then you'll get to see Fred's father. Oh, great. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. 
<laughs> also playing the same type of character. Misha, Misha Barton was in um, a fine, a really, really short part of Notting Hill. <laughs> I was like, ah, you again. Oh, that's I, right. Stop watching this show I so I wanted to that. see your face. <laughs> uh, I forgot she was in that. Mm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Agreed. Um, yeah, I you were like talking and I was like, oh my god! Yeah, we, <laughs> I wrote a big note at the we top didn't of my. this. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, all right. Let's see what team am I on? Hmm. Oh, hmm. I'm Team Tara. She like stood yeah, up and I think so. and stood strong. Also for standing up for herself. Yeah, like, exactly. Honestly, like that was a far cry from season four, Tara, yeah. and like her being able to confidently tell Willow, like this is what this means, and this is why I'm not okay yep. with it. Like, well done. Yeah. <sighs> because you, if you look at it as like an abusive relationship, yeah, I mean, you have which it, it is, is at yeah. this point. Like it's hard to extricate yourself. Mm-hmm. So go, Tara. Plus, I think our opportunities for Team Tara are dwindling. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back right. in the future. <laughs> Talk about the next two episodes. I think, I think, I it's think next now, week. once yeah. we get to this, we'll be back next week. I agree. So we're back on our normal airing schedule. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Bye.